Hello and welcome to episode eight of the State Champs Extra Inning Podcast for the state of Michigan. Alongside Lampier High School head coach Adam Moley, I'm your host, Robin Dyka. We have a loaded show for you guys today as we have not one, but two special guests this week. First, we will talk to Warmont head coach Sean Maloney to give us all the details on the inaugural MAC OAA All-Star Game. Then later on, we have a chance to sit down with MHSA umpire Austin White, who gives us an inside scoop into what being an umpire is all about and how it's a great way to give back to the game we all love. But before that, let's take a few minutes to acknowledge our sponsors who are here to support us as we look to grow the game of high school baseball across the state of Michigan. State Champs Michigan Extra Inning Podcast is presented by Lawrence Technological University. Recruit yourself to one of two dozen varsity level sports, including baseball, at Lawrence Tech. Simply log on to ltuathletics.com and click the Recruit Yourself link. Extra Innings is also brought to you by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. The MHSAA is in need of officials. So go to the MHSAA.com website for more information on becoming an official. Not only is it great part-time pay, but it's a way for you to stay connected to the game you love. Support the kids, give back to the community, and get paid. Information's just a whistle away. Go to MHSAA.com slash officials. The pros at the Detroit Medical Center's Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine want you to check out our Game Changer segments with helpful injury prevention and recovery tips. Find them on our State Champs YouTube page or on our website, statechampsnetwork.com or on the State Champs Michigan social media channels. And for immediate access to care, go to dmc.org slash gamechangers. And last but certainly not least, the Detroit Athletic Club Foundation's Male and Female High School Athlete of the Year Awards. The state's elite athletes will be honored with a red carpet gala on Monday, June 14th. Mark it in your calendars now at the incredible DAC in downtown Detroit. State champs will be streaming the event live. So make sure you have those notification bells ringing on whatever social media platform you use. You can see this year's nominees by heading over to DACathleteoftheyear.com. Just went over there and checked it out, Rob, because I know you and I both have been pretty interested in who yeah. that's going to be. So they're doing a good job of updating that and keeping it going along. But um, also, listeners, we have to pass along a special thank you to the MHSBCA. That's the Michigan High School Baseball Coaches Association. The MHSBCA works tirelessly to promote the game of baseball by creating opportunities for coaches to connect and stay informed through clinics, social media, and incredible events like the annual high school all-star game and Hall of Fame inductions. For more information and to stay connected, check out the website at www.mhsbca.org. That's www.mhsbca.org. Okay, Coach, this week we're going to change it up a little bit. Normally we hit highlights from across the state of Michigan, but we had some big news coming out of the woodwork this week. So I figured we'd change it up just a little bit. Um, we're actually going to be reading off the inaugural MAC and OAA All-Star rosters, the first of its kind. So, Coach, if you could please start us off by reading out the 2021 OAA All-Star roster. I'm really excited about this, Rob. Uh, you know, in just a few minutes here, Coach Sean Maloney from Warren Mott is going to join us. And, and you know, he was the spearhead of this uh, mm-hmm. program. So it's really cool. I, I'm just really fired up. But let's get to the uh, the kids because that's what it's all about. Yep. Representing the OAA for the All-Star team in this inaugural game is going to be Hunter Pydeck from Athens, Jim Love from Seaholm, Joe Herrick, Stony Creek, Sean Cooper, Oxford, Brian Good, Avondale, Hunter Neely, Bloomfield Hills, Andrew Pokley, Athens High School, Zaka Ivanich from Farmington, Cam Benson, Southfield, Gunnar Aldridge, Lake Orion, 
Zach Jones, Stony Creek, Chris Heeg from Lake Orion, Nick Traficanti from Adams, CJ Noon, Troy, Trey Lipsy, Groves, Josh Corson, Stony Creek, Garrett Volfrey, Avondale, Brandon Escobar, West Bloomfield, Claybone, Royal Oak, Chris Johnson, Rochester, and Griffin Firestein from Lake Orion. Really cool seeing a lot of those familiar names. My my son played travel ball with a lot of these guys. <laughs> great to see him. The head coach is Andy Schramick from uh, Lake Orion High School. He'll be assisted by Tommy Krzyzewski of Avondale and Darren Mosley of Southfield A&T. And then also one another cool thing that's going to be going on yeah. is that they are looking for specifically for assistant coaches to be honored. And uh, I think Sean was very cognizant of that as well. And that assistant coach for the OAA is going to be Paul Deagle of Stony Creek High School. Very very deserving yeah, guy for that. Absolutely. No, for sure. That's, that's awesome. Uh, great look, you know, it's amazing. It's small world, right? You can recognize some of those names pretty much. They pop off the page, but let's go to the Mac all-star roster now uh, in no particular order. Uh, Greg Guzik from Dakota high school, Nick good gross point North Connor Cornwell from Ford Dylan Pawanski Utica. Sorry if I butchered your last name, Dylan, Jake Malik from my Lamphere Rams, Luke Marku from St. Clair, Tyler Minton, Chippewa Valley, TJ McAllister from Southlake, LinkedIn Hayward, Romeo, Zach Slezak, Anchor Bay, Riker Maisie, Gross Point South, Logan Ramsey, Warmont, Dylan Kleinedler, Stevenson, <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Cusardio, Lakeview, Kyle Revere, Ford, Chris Marshall, Gross Point North, Nathan Delecki, Sterling Heights, Jacob Harris, Gross Point South, Garrison Nix, Utica, Blake Stone, Dakota, and David Kedro from Eisenhower. So congratulations, guys. I apologize if I butchered any of your last names. I am not paid to talk sometimes, apparently. But the coaching staff, as we mentioned earlier, the head coach for the MAC All-Star team is our guest today, Sean Maloney from Warmont. He is going to be assisted by Greg Sadowski from Chippewa Valley, Bob Lindsay from Sterling Heights, and Matt Paddock from Stevenson. So great coaching staff as well. Uh, but now, Coach, now that we know who's going to be playing in the first ever MAC OAA All-Star game, let's now bring in the head coach, Sean Maloney from Warmont High School, to take a deeper dive into this great event. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. We want to promote this game a little bit and, and do the best we can for these kids so they have a great experience. And, Sean, I'm going to um, embarrass you because I know that you're a humble guy, um, but I'm going <laughs> to basically reiterate what I told you off the air. I want to I want to thank Coach Sean Maloney for putting this thing together. Um, you know, the MHS BCA All-Star Game is an elite-level type of selection process, and oftentimes uh, some kids are are left out of that mix and I, I just appreciate so much, Coach Maloney, that you thought about these kids and, and created another avenue that's not only going to be – it's going to be right up there with that all-star mm -hmm. game, and I know you're going to fill us in on all that, yep. but tip of that hat to you because your heart's been in the right place and for, to see you extend yourself this way. I, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you, and I, I just think it's something that needs to be noted because all too often as coaches, we get caught up in our wins and losses, and parents don't see the things that go on behind the scenes. and. I know you're a kid first type of a guy. So appreciation all the way across the board. Appreciate what you did. Thank you so much, Adam. I appreciate that. No worries. Yeah, so coach before I'm going to ask you this probably a couple of times, because I want to make sure that we drill this into the people listening here, but can you just first start off here? Uh, give us the details, the where, the when, when is this game taking place? Where is it going to be at? So we can mark it on our calendars now because I'm ready for it. So I know other people are going to be ready for it as well. 
All right. So after the state championship games are done on June 22nd, it's a okay. Tuesday night. I think that's Tuesday night. But June 22nd at 7 o'clock at Jimmy John's Field in Utica, Michigan, uh, we'll be having the game. Um, the day before that, the kids will have a practice and they'll get some gear and stuff like that. And then uh, the day of the game, they'll get some they'll get some practice and some pictures and get to have a great experience there. But June 22nd is the date of the game. Um it's going to be an awesome experience now that we have Jimmy John's Park and right in between Oakland and Macomb County there. Perfect, yep. perfect spot. Great location yep. for a game. Um, hopefully we get a good, good audience. It's going to be $5 a person to get into the game. And uh, we'd love to see a bunch of people out there. This is for a lot of these kids. This is the last their last chance to play a big game in front of a local crowd like their parents and stuff like that. Some of mm -hmm. a lot of them are going to go and play in college, but some of them are probably done, you know, for the most part playing playing high-level baseball. So uh, this could be one last great game for a lot of these kids. I may have stole a little bit of thunder, but just to kind of follow up on that, what was yeah. your uh, thought process on getting all these, uh, I'm sorry, not all these, uh, on getting this game together? What what really inspired you to kind of, and motivated you to get this this thing going? Because like I said, I think it's a great thing and uh, just want to know what how that all came to be. So like when I was growing up, I remember there being a Macomb County All-Star game and I thought that was pretty cool, but it kind of, it kind of fizzled out and went away before I was playing ball. Um, but I remember they used to play it at East, East Detroit Memorial Field over there. Mm -hmm. And it was really a really a cool thing. And I thought about bringing back a Macomb County one for a while. But I was like, you know, there's it's a lot of kids to get from all these teams and to make sure you do it right. Where would we play it? And then I then I was talking uh, to Dan Griesbaum Jr. this year. Like he, he contacted me to try to play uh, a Mott Cousino game at Jimmy John's. But during the COVID year, I didn't think we could get enough fans there to actually cover the cost because it's quite expensive. But right. um, I thought, you know what, maybe we could, why don't we come and come together and figure out this all-star game. And then uh, Dan Jr. talked to his dad and and kind of, kind of helped me get the, uh, get the thing going. Cause Dan Griesbaum, as everyone knows, one of the great, greatest baseball people I've ever met in, in, in high school sports. So um, he really helped me, you know, get this going and, and then we united some away coaches with some Mac coaches and put like a committee together and, uh, and formalized all of this stuff and, and put the game together, got figured out, figured out how to financially get it done and, 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 and do all that stuff, pick the team and pick the coaches. And, and now here we are set, set to uh, get this thing off the ground. Yeah, Coach, that you bring up a great point, though, you know, assembling the rosters and the coaching staff, right? For future years, you know, for people to go back, maybe listen to this, you know, next year, whatever, um, you know, or maybe just those wondering, how were the players chosen? We, we talked a couple weeks ago and how coaches had to nominate players. Just wondering about that process as well as how you selected the coaches. Um, you know, how do we get this great roster, you know, all top to bottom? Mm -hmm. So uh, the committee, the committee we had, we had three or four coaches from the MAC and three or four from the OAA, and we did a, we did a Zoom like, you know, we did a yeah. Zoom together, and we, we figured it out. And you know, I personally didn't want to be the head coach this year, but they kind of, they kind of made me. They're like, you're going to be the coach <laughs> of this team since this was your idea. So, uh, so they put me in charge, and then we picked, we picked the rest of my staff, and we made it really. Joe Emanuel really brought up a great idea from Stevenson. Um, to get that assistant coach on there, which was, was great because we don't recognize those assistants that put in all this time enough. So Matt Paddock on the Mac side is going to be that guy and, yep. and Paul Deagle on the OAA side. Um, but it's great to recognize those people. But I mean, so we had that committee meeting and then uh, that's, that's 
spearheaded the the coaching staffs and then then the coaching staffs got together and uh we sent out a uh an e- email to the mac and oaa coaches for them to submit uh some details statistics information bios um of players they wanted to nominate and and then we uh each each staff had a meeting last week and we sat down for a couple hours and we went through all the guys and and picked the top 21 guys we thought were available and obviously when you're picking the guys like that you're gonna it's very hard to get it perfect so um any kid that didn't get selected it was you know by no they're great players so all those kids nominated were awesome Absolutely. but to get the game done the right way you can only take 21 and get get it done right yeah, that, that's always a difficult thing for, you know, people to understand, especially if you got one and two nominations. Um, Two-part question, though, for you. First mm-hmm. is when – I love the format that you guys use with, like, the Google surveys and everything like that. I thought that that was an, an awesome thing. Can I ask you, what was the coach's participation like? Because I know one of the things that, as a committee at the MHSBCA level – is the lack of participation. Did, did we have a good participation from both the Mac coaches and the OAA coaches? And if not, can we continue to like prod home that this is an important part of your job and that you, you should do it for the kids, right? Yes, yes, for sure. So for the Mac, we had around, I think 36 or 37 kids nominated. I didn't go through and check for every school if they were nominated, but we did have, like, I would say at least three quarters of the schools had nominated somebody. And I did have a couple of schools say that they didn't have, they didn't feel like they had a kid worthy. And one of them didn't even have a senior at all on their roster. So like, okay. So we had a couple of those. Um, and I, I was very cognizant, like when I was on the, on the, on the selection committee of trying to make sure that we chose a kid from almost every school slash at least try to represent every league in the Mac. Yeah. So I really tried to do that. And then before we picked any second kids like from a school we wanted to make sure that we got a good representation and then you know we weren't going to just pick okay this school is amazing they get two school they get two kids right away we wanted we'll pick one each and then we went back through and said okay now we need a pitcher so it doesn't matter what school we need the next there's two pitchers left we got to get the next best pitcher off this list and we need a third base we need the next best third base but just so happens that you know, some of the positions were easy, like in the Mac side, I think only two first basemen were actually nominated. So those were, wow. you know, that was, that was a pretty easy one. So, you know, you're, you're taking two first basemen, but like, you know, there were some, there's a ton of middle infielders. So like, that's where the, <laughs> that's where the selection went really, really hard because you got like 15 to 18 kids yeah. vying for how many, how many shorts and second basemen do we want to keep on? The <laughs> no, I, honestly, that's, that's awesome. I do want to ask kind of a follow-up to that before coach, I'll let you take over again is can you just reiterate one more time, how important it is for coaches to nominate their players? We have beaten this point to death over the last couple of weeks, but I still think it's important to come back to because it is once again, you guys as a as a committee and as a staff and everything else, you're trying to put this game together, all the logistics that go into it, but you're not gonna know every player, you're not gonna know every senior from the Mac Red all the way down, right? So how important is it for coaches to get to make sure that their kids, their seniors are nominated and just at least get that look that they that they deserve? I think it's, it's so important. Like, to be honest, those kids on your team, when you're a coach, you're that kid's champion, man. Mm -hmm. You're the, you're the Mm -hmm. fighter for that kid. And if you don't do, that's part of our job and we don't get paid. Like we don't get paid a lot of money for our job, but we do get paid money. 
and we got to earn our money as coaches. Like, I think you really do got to go out there and you got to fight for your kids. If you really want your kid to be on that team, you have to not only send the nominations and you might want to send an individual email or call out, reach out to the coach and say, Hey, here's some more information about my kid. Just so you know, when you go to the meeting, I want you to know everything. I was fortunate back when I, when I first started coaching that I had Nick Thurman, uh, one of the best players, you know, obviously Warren Mott's greatest baseball player. He became Mr. Baseball, but I talked to Frank Sambera about it. And he told me, here's what you got to do. If you want him to be it. Yeah. I had to write a separate article about it. And I had to call some of the guys and give them all the information. And, and he went and he got that Mr. Baseball, but I had to do a lot of extra work to make yep. sure you do it. If you just fill out that form and he's just one of 30 nominees, you got you got to make sure that he stands out on that list. So you, you just, these coaches got to go out there and make sure that they're nominating, not just for this all-star game, but for all all-star games, for yep. all counties, all state, all those things. You just gotta, you gotta push the buttons and check the boxes, you know? It, it is. There's a little bit of politics that's involved, but at the end of the day, you want to talk about one of the things that makes your job easier. The, the bottom line is you can say, Hey, I went and I tried to get this person on the selection may not work out, but the uh, opposite side of that is, is a worse feeling. I, unfortunately we didn't have the internet, you know, to the degree that we did when I first started and I missed it. I missed the deadline. I, I had to call and I was told, Hey, you missed the deadline. And I, I can tell you this much. I never missed the deadline after that, yeah, <laughs> you right. know, yep. but it hurts. It hurts you as a coach and it, it doesn't make you look good. And so, you know, just to feed off of your point, Sean, I, I agree a hundred percent with you when I say you are their biggest advocate, because that's what, that's the reason at the end of the day, why we're here is it's now that's it. And mm-hmm. um, the politicking, it might be a little bit extra, but it's not really that much. that's going to put it, you know, such make it such a hard thing. So we know about the MHS BCA all-star game. Jimmy John's has a, a different feel about it. So I'm wondering, Love are you guys going to put together any unique stuff? I mean, are they going to be chasing hot dogs around the field or anything like that? <laughs> Is there going to be something, you know, that, that might make this thing stand out a little bit different than the, uh, than the, the big game that's being played down at Comerica? I don't, I don't know really yet, but I do, I do, I can say this too. So I, you know, I'm the president of Detroit Metro Stars baseball organization. So this, this game's actually part sponsored by the Metro Stars as mm-hmm. we had to give a financial money up front. So to, to do that, the stars are helping to bring in the money and they're going to make some money off of this too. Um, but the, the, the stars might be putting something together or, you know, try to get at least some little kids, you know, at least some of our stars and maybe some other travel organization kids to the game to watch the game and mm-hmm. um, maybe, maybe introduce some of those kids to the field or something, bring them out to the field and do stuff like that. Cause we definitely got to try to make this special, not only, you know, for, for years to come too. So this will be, this will be year one, but I think, you know, down the road each and every year, we got to try to make it better, you know, and I'll learn from any mistakes that we make year one and, and hopefully try to continue to, to grow this game. Uh, to make it the best it can be for all of these kids. And I know one of the really huge selling points is the relative interaction with the game at Jimmy John's. You are, you know, you're right there. It's a smaller venue. They've got the cool little playground out in the back as well. There's not a bad seat in the house, coach. There's not a bad seat. No. And the food trucks are, I hope that they'll be Mm -hmm. available and stuff like that, because that's one of the, you know, bigger things too. That wiffle ball field. I mean, it's a game changer when you have a little kid of the game and, and you can, yep. you know, again, introduce them to something that's, that's fun, but still a part of baseball. So yeah, there's a lot of cool things that are happening out there too. That's for sure. 
Rob? Yeah. So coach, honestly, we really appreciate you hopping on here to kind of promote this game. I can't be more excited for it. Uh, I probably will attend. It's t- 10 minutes from my house. So I'll probably show up. I'll, I'll root on I'll root on these kids, but one more time for those that may have missed it, weren't paying attention, didn't have their pen and paper, didn't have their email ready to go. Can you give us all the hard details one more time before you let you go today? Uh, once again, we really appreciate it, but give us all the deets one more time. So nobody has an excuse to not be there. So yeah, we're, we're playing the Mac OAA inaugural all-star game, June 22nd, 7 p.m., Jimmy John's Field in Utica. Um, would love to see a lot of people come out there and support these young men in their uh, their final school baseball game, unless they're in that MHSBCA all-star game the, the week after that. But it's going to be a great experience. We'd love to see you all out there. Yep, June 22nd, guys. All right, That's Sean. It. Go ahead, coach. Thank you so much again for what you've done. I am, like I told you, proud of you. Happy for you, man. You've you've had a, a season that you've turned into a huge success and and just what a selfless act for you to be able to do this. And, and it's great for all baseball. You talk about growing a game. This is how we do it. Yep. Good job, Thanks, Sean Maloney of Warmot. Yep. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate and, it, coach. And Adam, too. I do want to congratulate you. Want to congratulate you too for that walk-off win the other day, winning the league outright like that. That's that's unbelievable. The greatest way to win a game like that. So you had a great was, year. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I still keep watching the video over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Those moments give you the chills, man. Those are just you, you can't. Yeah, you're that's related. Awesome. You probably didn't sleep at all that night. <laughs> it's been a celebration. So no, <laughs> thank you so much, John. That's awesome, yep, Coach. Yep. Once again, really appreciate it. June twenty second, seven p.m. Jimmy John's Field. That's where you need to be. That's the place right there. Uh, we're certainly looking forward to another great showcase of some of the best players in the state of Michigan. And Sean has given us the ability to do that. So awesome. We appreciate it. But let's transition now to our second guest. Um, you know, transition to some of the unsung all stars of the sports of baseball, uh, you know, and of course we mean the umpires, right? And who better to give us the ins and outs of what it takes to be an umpire uh, than friend of the show, Austin. Why Austin, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you very much for having me, Rob. Uh, first off, Austin, uh, you know, a appreciate you coming on, but also let, just give us, you know, a little bit of background um, into yourself, your career in baseball and how you became an ump, because it's, you know, I can tell you right now, I don't know how to do that. I don't know where to start with that process. So just give us, you know, the, the ins and outs of how you became where you're at. Absolutely. So I started officiating baseball when I was 14 years old. I was just playing in Chesterfield Parks and Rec. Um, I met an umpire. His name was Bill Plague. He um, taught me everything that he knew about umpiring. Mm-hmm. Then those first two years, I just strictly worked travel baseball, whether it be 8U to like 16U. Okay. Um, and those are some of the most challenging situations like that I've had in my fishing experience because you see a lot more um, issues come about in those younger age groups where people <laughs> are less experienced. Um, so I learned a lot through that time. Yeah. The following two years, um, when I was... 16 and 17, I got involved in the legacy program through MHSAA, which for those of you who don't know, it's basically an opportunity for students that are still in high school to be able to officiate sub-varsity high school games. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I attended Lance Cruz North High School. And then during that time, I was able to officiate all over the MAC, um, just working a bunch of freshman JV baseball games during those two seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, Following that, Graduated high school. And then that first year out of high school, um, I started working a lot of varsity baseball games, good mix between some sub varsity, some varsity. Um, and it just gained a lot of experience during working those varsity games, working with a lot better, different officials, mm-hmm. um, 
getting the chance to meet different coaches, interact with different people, have new experiences as a whole. Um, following that, so I'm now 21 years old. I've been officiating for eight years now. Crazy. Um, it's always been a dream ever since I started to officiate to attend professional umpire school. Okay. So in January 2022, I was I had the opportunity to go down to Florida for a month. Um, I attended professional umpire school. I was offered a job coming out of school um, in the Coastal Plains League. And then obviously COVID happened. So it put last year on a pause. Yeah. Um, so that was disappointed to happen last year and everything. Um, and then this year I was offered the opportunity to have a job for this summer, but I decided not to just because I like Michigan. I want to continue on advancing with my college umpiring career and work high school as much as possible and everything. Um, so yeah, that's my experience and kind of where I'm at now in life in general. It's so funny that you say that. Cause I mean, it, I think Rob was kind of like, what? 21. Yeah, I know <laughs> I was, I was exactly the same way. Um, on a personal note, you know, I've gotten to know Austin through officiating a couple of our games this year. Um, one of the things that I will say to you, and again, I, I, when I compliment somebody, I know that it kind of embarrasses people, but I had a, no idea you were only 21 years of age. B, um, what your experience level was. I just knew that when you got behind the plate, you were in charge and you were in command and you had a, you, you know, you had a, an air about you that showed us that you were there to officiate the game and do it fairly and do it correct. And that's such an important aspect to bring to the table. I honestly, I had no idea you were only 21 years old. You carry yourself like an owner who's been at it for more than eight years even. So tip of the hat to you. So what I would like to know from you is what are some of the biggest challenges that you've had to deal with and what are some of the, and, and, and then how do you go about dealing with those challenges, whether it be from coaches or players or parents or whatever, how do you, what do you do to try to maintain that level of integrity and level of professionalism? So I would say some of the biggest challenges for every umpire is the obvious one of just dealing with people. Um, so <laughs> coaches, players, parents, in general. Yeah, that is definitely the biggest challenge that everybody is aware of. Yeah. Um, as you start moving up and getting into higher level of baseball, whether it be um, varsity baseball game and everything, it's a little bit easier because people know what they're doing more so. Mm -hmm. And you don't have many of those issues with parents. Um, as far as personally, some of my challenges, as you can see, like I'm 21 years old, the average age of a high school official is 55 years old in the state. Wow. of Michigan. Wow. I okay. didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So I bring that age down. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so me going out in the baseball fields, I think I've, I don't think I've ever had a coach who's been younger than me. So right. obviously I go onto the field with a lower level of respect than somebody I'm working with. that's 55 years old, mm -hmm. just based off of appearance. Right. So I try to make sure that I maintain a proper physical appearance, whether it be my uniform, making sure everything looks clean, dress, mm -hmm. shoes look good. Um, clean shaven as much as possible. Um, and then just being able to be in command right from the beginning and giving off a strong presence, I feel is key in order to gain that respect. Because like I said, going out in the field with, I'm with somebody that's older than me, immediately the coaches are going to look to them for their guidance. But when I make it apparent through my actions and showing people respect on the field that I do know what I'm doing, that's the way I can overcome those issues. Um, some other challenges I think that people don't really think about that much um, is just 
rule knowledge for umpires because there's so many different rules in the game of baseball that a lot of people just aren't aware of and that things that don't come up very often at all. Um, So constantly staying in the rule book for umpires, I think is very key. Mm -hmm. Um, Me, I'm more of an audio learner than uh, like a reader, you know? So I like having those conversations with other umpires before every game. Like sometimes I'll um, talk about a rule that doesn't come up very often mm-hmm. and say, what will we do in this situation? Just so we're constantly learning before we're going out the base on the baseball field. Yep. Granted, some of these things may not happen an entire season, but they are key to talk about because when they do happen, you want to make sure you know what you're doing. No, absolutely. Right. And I, I, was, I can relate to that a little bit, right. From, from doing, I, you know, myself, I'm 26, right. I'm a coach. So I started coaching at a young age when I was still in my teenage years. So you definitely, there's a level of respect there that you may not get initially, right. When, you know, due to your age, just based off of an appearance or he doesn't know what he's talking about, blah, 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 blah. I get that for sure. But one thing I do want to ask you though, is, is the, you know, rule of thumb, I think for a lot of officiating is, is communication, right? How important is good communication when it comes to your interaction with the coaches, with players, with parents, with the other umpires, how important is communication uh, for you? Because I feel like, you know, if, if you don't have good communication as an official, no matter what sport you have, you're already kind of putting yourself behind the eight ball a little bit. Yeah. So I would say communication is definitely one of the most important factors into becoming a good umpire. Um, in regards to working with other umpires, you can definitely tell um, just from watching how umpires work mm-hmm. when people are working with somebody that they're comfortable with, they're used to working with mm-hmm. versus somebody that's brand new. Um, there's a lot of different verbal communication, nonverbal communication that we use as umpires. Yep. So when you're comfortable with somebody and you're used to working with them, you're going to know where they're going to be at as far as the rotations go, coverage areas and everything, mm-hmm. like without even having to think about it, you right. know, so having that, being able to um, just talk in general with your partner about a call, um, that's also very key. I would say... Um, In regards to coaching, it's very important to develop relationships with coaches by showing them the proper respect that you think that you deserve by giving that to them. Um, One big thing in regards to communication, I would say, is using first names. I'm absolutely terrible with names. So I make sure during our pregame meeting, I get the names of both the head coaches, write it down on my lineup card, also get the names of both of the catchers. Because the relationship as a home plate umpire has with a catcher is very important that you want to maintain throughout the entire game. So getting those names um, written down and only using those names and referring from using coach or other terms that people use, I think are very key to um, communication. So there's a... um... To feed, to feed off of that, we know that, you know, I think over the course of time, a lot of the highlights that we see with regard to umpires is mostly confrontational. Okay. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's opportunities for players and for parents and for coaches to, you know, get upset about a call, argue a call, so on and so forth. The game differs at all different levels. You and I know that really, really well. But if we're talking specifically about high school sports and we're talking about, uh, confrontations with any of those types of people what are the what are things that are just what's a line that just should never be crossed you know for players for coaches for parents what what are just some things that should never ever be crossed what are some that's a no that's a non-starter right there I think that the main line that shouldn't be crossed is making it personal because if you make something personal by saying you suck or you're terrible I mean that's automatic ejection right there and there's just (laughs) something you don't do 
Yeah. So obviously Adam knows as a coach, like sometimes our emotions get the best of us. Sometimes they do as umpires as well. Um, it just happens with life in general. Mm-hmm. So back, going back on communication, when you develop a relationship with a coach, when a confrontation happens, a lot of times the coach are able to come out and just talk to you and ask those simple questions in regard in 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 differentiating from just like giving their opinion. So right. I would say my biggest pet peeve personally when dealing with coaches and confrontation is when a coach is just sitting in the dugout and just making comments. If a coach is in the dugout and says, Austin, where was that pitch at? Like, I actually like that because that leads to growing in communication as a whole. Mm -hmm. If there's a play happening, like let's say there's a pulled foot at first base, home plate umpire is right in the line. He can see that pulled foot. The base umpire is going to get that call wrong more often than the home plate umpire would. So that's a situation where a coach can come out and go to the calling official and say, listen, can you guys talk about that? Like, I think you got it wrong. Mm -hmm. And if they come out like that, ask the question, we'll talk about it and we'll be happy to overturn it if it is the right thing to do, because we'd much rather get the call right than to stick with the wrong call because we're not communicating. So I'd say for coaches, a big thing is to just ask questions and be respectable. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. You touched on a little bit about your relationship with the catchers. I know personally, that's something that we, we, we coach it. We coach it. Hello. My name is Dylan. And I know, yeah. you know, Dylan, cause Dylan yeah. likes to talk. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> um, you know, that, that's a, a very important key aspect. And you, you alluded to something about um, coaches making snide comments. Is there a correlation between coaches who will kind of like throw little daggers out there and the way that their teams kind of follow up versus coaches who, respectfully and verbally communicate and put it out there and the way that their teams present themselves. 110%. I mean, a coach serves as a role model for his players. So when a kid sees a coach treating an umpire poorly, they're going to see that and think that they can do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know from working your guys' games, every time I go out there, Dylan comes over to me, shakes my hand, says, I'll be your catcher for the day. I'll do my best to protect you. My pitcher throws these pitches. I couldn't feel any more at ease and ready to get into the game Mm -hmm. than when a catcher comes over and does those type of things. Because if you're dealing with a catcher that like is inexperienced, struggles with blocking balls, then I start to be fidgety behind the plate. And I feel like I can't perform my job to the best of my ability. So back to um, what you said about the coaching situation, you can definitely tell just based off conversations with players, how their coach deals with umpires and same thing, vice versa, because when you have a team that shows respect to the umpire, that is a relationship that was instilled upon them because of their coach directly. And you know right. that you're going to be dealing with a coach that wants umpires as well. No, for go sure. Ahead. Right. Go ahead, coach. No, no, no. Go ahead, Rob. Go ahead. No, I just, you know, the, the importance of, of that, you know, of the communication showing the respect, right. Um, is there, are there circumstances or is there, is there some sort of um, maybe advice that you would have for those players or for those teams and, you know, that maybe don't do some of those things, they don't come up and introduce themselves. Is there like a, like a five-step process maybe that if you're, if you're officiating a game, you can just be like, Hey, listen, if, you know, for every game going forward, if you just do these two or three things, your game is going to go a hell of a lot smoother than if you don't do those things, right? Whether it's just coming up and introducing themselves by first and last name and saying, Hey, you know, thanks for coming out, blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, just, you know, making the right you know calls for you. So that makes your job easier. 
Yeah, so I would say back to, we kind of spoke on a little bit, yeah. the respect thing. Um, I would say one thing that like really bothers me and bothers other umpires mm-hmm. is the term blue. Okay. Like, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. My name's Austin. I like to be called Austin. <laughs> I give Adam the respect of calling him Adam. Yeah. I give the catchers the respect of calling them by their first names. Right. I would prefer that like they would call him by my name. Um, some other umpires for sir or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on the umpire. But I think one good thing that any team could do is figure out both the umpires' names at the pregame meeting. And that coach can go back to his team, whether you write it like on a clipboard or you just tell your whole team, mm-hmm. your home plate umpire is Austin, your base umpire is whoever his name is, you yeah. know. And that way those players and coaches are able to talk to them using their first name. I think that's one key aspect um, and to show respect. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. And then just simply asking questions, you know, yeah. like yeah. when I move higher up in levels of baseball, I notice like a lot of batters will ask me like, is that as high as you're going with the zone? Right. You know, or is that as far outside as we're going? Mm-hmm. Okay. Stuff like that. I prefer much more than like them shrugging their shoulders or saying, oh, my God, or making comments as they're walking back yeah. to the clubhouse. Right, of course. Yeah. Ask questions like that. Mm-hmm. That's going to build your relationship with the umpires going into future games. So let's turn this around a little bit. We've talked a lot about challenges. Now, obviously, my job, your job, even the players' jobs comes with that comes with built-in challenges. But we, you know, Sean talked about some of the rewards that the players get, some of the rewards that the coaches get. Umpiring is a rewarding job as well. I did it. I, I did. I fought a very similar career path from my 14 year old uh, year all the way through. I was 21. I did a lot of travel baseball, never did do any high school baseball, but did a lot of travel ball. And there are a number of rewards out there and not to be, you know, like digging into personal stuff, but monetarily it was a great way to make a living. So yes. what are some of the positives and how would you go about selling a young player or a young person in high school on looking at this from a career aspect and, and why they should go into it? So I would say first and foremost, just giving back to the game of baseball. I've always loved baseball since I was young. So it's a great way to still be part of the game, be out in the field, be part of like the third team that's on the field, you know, um, in order to give back to the game. And it's just fun, you know, like, we're playing a game ourselves because it's challenging. It's rewarding. Um, there's a lot of different things that go with it, you know? So I go out and work at pretty much every single day, knowing that I'm able to play a game while I'm not hitting a baseball or throwing a baseball. It's a game in itself. Um, also I would say, um, just the camaraderie. I say umpiring is like a fraternity, a brotherhood, similar to like police officers or people in the military. You know, um, I've developed so many different relationships with so many different people that I would never encounter in a daily normal nine to five office job, you know? Right. Absolutely. So being able to just build those relationships, have a lot more friends. I mean, I work with different people pretty much every night and then see the same people um, at varying different games and stuff, you know, but being able to build that brotherhood and friendship with many different people is also a rewarding aspect of it. I love the fact, 
Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Rob. Oh, I was, no, I was no, just no. going to say, is there any resources maybe outside, you know, one of our sponsors, right, is the MHSAA and, you know, and they're always looking for officials, right? So we know there's resources there, but are there things that maybe you found in your career, um, maybe that's even specific to baseball and being an umpire that maybe you would recommend for those who are maybe interested in, in getting into the profession? Yeah, so I would say one big thing um, is just talking to people, I would say is probably one of the biggest things. Mm -hmm. So if you're a young person or somebody thinking about getting into officiating and you like baseball, maybe you can just go watch a high school baseball game. Instead of watching the game, just watch the umpires, take notes on it, Mm -hmm. learn from what the umpires are doing, learn what they're doing right, learn from what they're doing wrong. And then following the game, if you wanted to go up and just talk to the umpire and see what I have to do to get into officiating, mm-hmm. I think that could be a great way to get into yeah. it because umpiring has a lot to do with relationships and building on those relationships and meeting mm-hmm. different people Right. because you have to know different people in order to move up in it as how I'm sure coaching goes and a lot of different things, you know? Mm-hmm. So by going out and just taking part in meeting people, that's a big thing. Um, another way to get into it aside from... MHSA website, which has a lot of great resources on there um, about how to become an umpire, what to do once you are one, and to expand that knowledge is going to camps. Okay. So there's multiple different organizations, um, associations within the Metro Detroit area that are umpire associations that hold different camps. One example is CMUC, the Southeastern Michigan Umpire Camp. They have a camp in Livonia. Um, that they hold every single year. My first five years, um, five or six years when I first started officiating, I went there every year just because every time you go there, you're able to meet somebody new that can get you a greater opportunity. And you're always going to go out of there learning many different things each time. Absolutely. When you get to the point of your 20 year official and everything, you can still go in there and learn something different just from talking to other people. Absolutely. They also have um, a big camp, which is more of a college like focus camp out in Grand Rapids. Bruce Stone umpire camps um, runs camps out in Grand Rapids as well in February. Um, and then each different association, once you get in contact with those umpire associations, hold their own multiple camps as well. I got to be honest with you, Austin. I, I mean, even before you said that, I was thinking about this because if the initiative and the drive is to get younger people into officiating, which, you know, you talked about the age being average age being 55 years old. And that's, that's difficult to deal with, especially if there's no future, you know, for umpires, I think you got to really consider you, I'm talking you Austin white considering opening a camp because the way that you present yourself, the maturity level that you have, but yet the ability to kind of cross over that border and make kids realize hey, this guy's not much older than I am. Mm-hmm. And he's doing this on the daily with respect and in command. And, and hey, look, I, at, at Lanfear, I know we pay you guys 60 bucks a game and making 60 bucks a game doing it. I, I don't think it would be such a crazy harebrained idea that if you got a hold of, say, all the Mac coaches and said, send me to your kids to, you know, be in this umpiring school that you could do something like that yourself, because I think it would just be a great opportunity for a young person like yourself to yep. be able to connect to yep. younger people that we could encourage to get into officiating. I, it just somehow that came to me as I was like, no, no, I, I appreciate you saying that Adam. I really do. Um, and that's always been something I thought about doing in the future. So maybe we can work together and figure out something. Um, once you said that as well, another thing did hit me. Um, I don't know too much about it. I just heard about it from somebody else is like in the past. And I know there is one umpire who's a teacher at a school that is doing this is there's high schools that are actually making a curriculum 
um, for a semester for officiating. That's awesome. That's cool to it. Yeah. I don't know the specifics of it or where it's actually at. I just know that's a thing. So by going in like targeting like these high schools, like you have a lot of like young people that are looking for work. Would you rather be flipping burgers at McDonald's for what, like right. $13 an hour? Right. Or would you rather be out in the baseball field, having fun with your job every day and making even better money? So I think going into high schools and talking to different kids, going through coaches, um, doing things like that are also a great way um, to get more people into the game. Well, open invite. I'm, I'm willing to work with you and introduce you to some other coaches and even players. Cause I told once, once I talked to my players about you, um, a lot of them were like, Hey, I would absolutely, cause we got a couple who do it in the Madison Heights little league, but okay. they were like, they were really in, enthralled with the idea of doing it at a higher level. So yeah, no, I appreciate it. I think that, I think it'd be a great idea and would be absolutely happy to work with you. No problem at all. Awesome. Austin, that was awesome, man. Seriously. Uh, you know, you broke it down for, uh, from a couple different levels, right. For the coaches, for the players, uh, for those who want to become an umpire, right. You've got some great references. You've got some great things there. So once again, we really appreciate you hopping on uh, great, great work as always, but that's going to do it though, for this episode of the state champs extra podcast. We, once again, we appreciate Sean and Austin for joining us this week and for helping us to continue to grow the game of baseball throughout our great state for Adam Woolley. I'm Rob Medica saying thanks for tuning in. Enjoy join us next week on the state champs extra inning podcast.